welcome to the first video blog for Daddy Life London. Um, this blog for me is a little bit of an outlet. Um, been on the adoption process uh, for the last two and a half years um, and had lots of experiences through it. Um, talked to a lot of people and thought there could be some value in sharing my experiences for other people, but also be quite cathartic for me. Um, today I'm going to start with why adoption and kind of what got us to that point. Um, and then in future, I'll talk about the different things that we've been through. So starting with why, um, as a, a same-sex couple, there, there aren't many options available to you. It's either co-parenting, um, surrogacy or adoption. And co-parenting wasn't really something we were interested in. We don't really like the idea of having to share the parenting, if that makes sense. Uh, I know it works really well for a lot of people and I think that's great. Uh, but for us, that just wasn't what we were looking for. And also we didn't really have the, the sorts of friends that you would need to do that. Um, surrogacy can be quite expensive um, in the UK, particularly abroad. Um, the, the UK doesn't really have the law set around that make it fully legal for you to get a parental for them until after six weeks after they're born, the birth mother or the surrogate mother can decide uh, up until that point. That's quite risky. Um, I get why it's, the laws are there for that, but that again, wasn't for us. You're also gonna spend upwards of 20K doing it. And we kind of thought, well, if we're gonna spend 20K, why not spend 20K in the lifetime of having a child? And I appreciate it be far much more um, rather than spending 20K to get another child that, into this world when there's plenty of kids out there that need love, support and a permanent home. And we felt that was something that we could provide. So adoption very quickly became the only option for us. And we started looking at that in 2014. And then we, and that was 2014 was when we got married. And then 2015 was when we actually started reaching out to agencies. And unfortunately, I got put at risk of redundancy about the same time we were about to go in for information sessions. And we decided that going through redundancy, finding a new job was probably more important so that we could then concentrate our efforts properly on the adoption process. So we put everything on pause. I got a new role straight away, uh, but decided I wanted a couple of years in that role first, had a couple of years in, and then we started looking again in 2017. Um, and in beginning of 2017, we reached out to a couple of agencies, uh, but we've been fortunate enough in between to move house and we started to live two doors down from another couple that had adopted who have been a super source of information for us, incredibly supportive, really helped us navigate what we wanted, um, how to manage the local authority, how to manage your relationship with your social worker. Um, and we decided that we would go to uh, information even for the local authority that they used. And that will remain nameless uh, for confidentiality reasons because we've now adopted. Um, but we decided we'd go there. So we went for the information evening in the, I think it's the February of 2017. And we met our social worker, again, will remain anonymous, and uh, another social worker who we then have met a couple of times through the process. Um, we instantly knew that that was the local authority for us. It was incredibly informative. They were really open and honest. I was able to ask a few questions at the end. Uh, and so we decided that we would discount all of the other agencies that we had looked at 
and we'd just stick with this one and see how we got on. So we registered our interest um, and we arranged a callback. Um, now that callback I, I did myself, which was to just give uh, the local authority a bit more information about us, what we're looking for, what are our thoughts, what's our understanding of adoption, is it something that, um, are, are we a prospect for them I guess, as much as that they're a prospect for us. And I ended up actually doing that in a hotel airport lounge because <laughs> I was due to go on a work trip and we were really keen not to let that get in the way so I did that. I think it was about 20 minutes and spoke to the social work, one of the social workers that was the event evening, who ultimately became our social worker. Um, and she is an absolute superstar. So, um, so pleased that we ended up starting our journey from that very first moment to that phone call until ultimately where we are today. Um, the phone call was again, it was just about what, what are our expectations, what are we looking for. Um, we were then invited in to have our first face-to-face -face interview and talk about whether or not we wanted to move into stage one or whether they wanted us to move to stage one. And for those of you who don't know, adoption is put into two stages and stage one is all about them learning a bit about you, but also you learning a lot about adoption, adoption, adopted children, what, what the issues are that can come with adoptive children. You know, I always say it's the putting off part. It's they really throw lots of extreme scenarios at you so that you really start to think about whether that's something you can handle and whether it's something you know, you're prepared to put yourself through because it is difficult and it is hard. But if you can imagine yourself in those extreme circumstances and you still want to do it, then you probably know it's the right thing for you and vice versa. Um, you know, the social, the local authority needs to, or the agency needs to understand how you react to those things. What's your perception of those scenarios? What would you do? You know, and there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, there might be a few wrong answers, but it's all about your experience as in yourself as an adult, as a child, and what you can bring from that. You know, they're not looking for perfect parents, they're looking for parents that can do a good job, but have good emotional intelligence, can have real empathy. Uh, you know, it can't be people who are wearing rose tinted glasses and just think they're going to get a child and have holidays on the beach because that's just not how it works. So we went into stage one, and that involved a number of sessions with our social worker individually, but it also involved a training session for two days where, again, we got put into these real extreme examples of fetal alcohol syndrome, um, drug misuse, neglect, violence, all those sorts of things. And it really does make you think about what you're prepared to take on, helps you to narrow maybe what you're looking for. Um, you know, we went in with the idea we'd like to have two or three children and we'd like to do it as a sibling group and we're open-minded to this, this, this. And then as you start to go through, you realise maybe you need to narrow your sights a bit because of the effort you need to put in and you need to be able to give up for um, the, the child or children that you're going to take on. And we're both working professionals. So although we were going to take the year off it, we had to consider what it was going to look like once they were placed, adopted, and we were back at work and could we meet those needs? Um, I can't remember quite when, but we actually started talking about early permanence or concurrency or foster to adopt. There's different names for it, depending on where you're based um, and decided that's something we were prepared to look into. We didn't agree to it straight away. We were a little bit skeptical. And for those of you who don't know, um, early permanence is essentially where you get approved to become a foster carer, generally of a child straight out of hospital or a child that is very, very young, you know, sub six months old, with a view that you would then adopt them. And the idea is that they're placed with you from a very early age, ideally from birth, 
and they don't know any other home. So they get the most positive experience they can get from day one. It's generally only done in extreme circumstances where there are parents that it's very obvious to local authority are not going to be able to keep their children because they don't have the capability to look after them. Usually it's people that have had kids before, sadly. Um, so there's something you have to think about there because there could be contact with other children as well, uh, but which can often be the case with just an normal adoption as well. So to us, that, that felt like something, you know, it, it felt like an ideal scenario, but you also have to, you get faced with lots of uncertainty. You get given days notice for these kids and they move in and you, you're not you're not doing adoption in the normal way. You don't really get time to process it. You don't get a lot of information. You know what you know when they're born. You don't know how they've been developing like you would do from a child that was older, you know, a year plus. However, it felt like a, a really good opportunity for us and we were really keen to see what that looked like. So we, we got through stage one, we submitted our paperwork um, and us being us submitted probably a mini project, uh, which really helped us in stage two um, because we really wanted the local authorities to know who we were and what we can do and how we approach life and we felt that was important we just wouldn't do it any other way so you know that took us quite a long time but i think was really worth the investment because it meant stage two we could focus really hard on what are we capable of what do we want to take on what's next um stage one was relatively i'm going to say simple in comparison to stage two stage two for us was if you do early permanence which we did you have to do full-on adoption approval plus early permanence, which wraps itself in, but there's additional training you have to do and you have to do some additional sessions with your social worker to make sure you're really clear about what that looks like and you've understood the, the risk associated with it. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So stage two, um, I think we had seven or eight sessions, um, you know, quite long, they're really draining. Um, our social worker was very robust, went into every avenue of our life from happy places to sad places to loss, um, how we felt we would be as parents, what we learned from ours, what we wouldn't do from our parents. You, know, you really, you have to dig deep into where you've been and how you've evolved and what you've become to think about what you're gonna do and how you're gonna be as a parent. Stage two training was actually, I would say, more fun than stage one. There was less of the kind of doom and gloom of your baby could have fetal alcohol syndrome or might have global development delay or could have disability. It was more about how you adopt, what does it look like? What does contact look like? What does the transition look like? Meeting the foster carer, the legal process, you know, how does it work? Um, and it's two, two days and you meet an adopter and you meet a foster carer. And if you're lucky, you could even meet a birth parent that's had their child removed from them, um, which you know is a very brave thing uh, for those parents to do. So we really enjoyed stage two, and then we had to do another two days of early permanent training, which is done by Corum, um, who was superb, really good, um, really, really interesting session. Again, very different from stage two. A lot of focus on the process because there's a lot more legality and process you need to understand in early permanence because of the different stages and the risks associated with it. And then a lot on loss. And what would happen if you lost that child because there is a risk that they won't stay with you? There's always a risk with adoption, but it's very, very small in comparison. Um, in early permanence, the local authority legally should have done everything they can to be really clear 
there is no one else that can look after the child, so that's birth parents, birth family, even potentially family friend, before they place them in early permanence. But there could always be an unknown father that pops up through the process and says, I want to look after that child, and that child could end up being removed and could be really disruptive. So there's a lot of focus on understanding that and trying to help you think about, are you prepared to put up with that level of uncertainty? So we did that training, again, was really good. Met some people on that training and the previous training. Great place to make some friends, encourage people to really think about making networks with people through those training processes, because you're gonna need it once you become adopters, um, just so that you can talk to people that understand what you're going through. Your friends will always empathize, but or sympathise, I'm going to say, but not, they can't really empathise. It's it's hard to know how it feels until you say it yourself, I think. Um, and the, yeah, so we got approved in December 2017. So that was about 10 months, which is longer than normal because it should be done within six months. But we took a break because uh, my partner's uh, mother, uh, unfortunately, was diagnosed with cancer and we just needed a little bit of time to deal with what that situation looked like and we restarted probably after about a two-month hiatus um, and when we wanted to restart also our social worker was going on some holidays and we would have been transferred in stage two to someone else and we really didn't want to do that because we felt we'd made a connection with her and that was a really important thing for us was to stay with her and that's paid dividends for us longer term so I'm really pleased that we decided to do that and I think also it gives you the time to reflect you know six months is quite a short space of time to get approved in thinking back on it and us having a bit longer allowed us to be a bit more reflective about what was happening. Although I obviously totally appreciate why it's six months. And then after we were approved in December, we then started our matching process through early permanence. And we always said that we would do six months of early permanence. And what I mean by that is we would wait six months to have a child placed. And if not, we would then go on to adoption matching as well as early permanence matching because you know, we had a plan, We have a, it's not really a life plan, but from an age point of view, we understood we wanted more than one child, we wanted one at a time. So therefore, we didn't want it to take too long before we were placed with a child. I would say that we probably looked at six early permanent children. I think three we said we wanted to move forward with. Every single time when the court order was made, it, they went into either a in-house foster care um, assessment or a resident uh, assessment, mother-parent assessment, uh, which meant that those children didn't come to us. Um, that's really hard because you spend generally two or three days waiting to find out. In one case, I think we waited a week. Um, and in, in two of those cases, I was working away on a big project, uh, not in the, in the country. So it's really hard to go through as a couple because you, unfortunately, you have to let yourself go you have no choice but to really let yourself think about what it's going to be like to be with that child. Because if you don't, it's got to be an emotional and a practical decision because this is for life. So as much as they say, hold yourself back, it's really difficult to do that. And I think if you don't, it, you, you potentially may make a practical decision and it might be the wrong practical and emotional decision late long, long term. Um, and then eventually um, we decided we wanted to stop looking at early permanence because we were finding it really difficult. Um, my partner's mother was had got quite sick again with, with her cancer. Um, and that was that was giving us a level of uncertainty as well, although there was some hope around the treatment plan. But we decided we just wanted to go with something more certain. And lo and behold, I think it was a week later, we got a phone call saying, 
one last chance, there's this child, um, and would we like to take him? And we decided to say yes. Um, and we took him in summer of 2018. And uh, I'll get a bit emotional there because unfortunately the story does not end well, uh, but I will talk about that in my next blog, uh, vlog. Sorry, new to this, not getting the words right. Um, so that's quite short. It's my first one, so I'm a little bit nervous and I'm not really sure what the flow should look like. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. I'll be doing the next one, hopefully tomorrow. Um, and then I'll publish that because that kind of continues our story into a placement of early permanence. And that's probably a quite a difficult one to go through. Uh, but I'm hoping to make some of these more positive, not all negative, but I think you need to see the spectrum and balance of the journey we've been through and what other people can go through. And we are probably a pretty extreme case. So thanks for watching um, and I hope you watch again.